Good evening, everybody. It's Rob and the two two fellas. <laughs> I, we, we did Manny, Mo, and Jack, Huey, Dewey, and Louie. Yeah, yeah, All right. Totally. All right. Uh, the three stooges, whatever, I, I, whatever you want. Uh, just a couple quick announcements. Um, Constitution Alive, free COVID-19 inspired crash course every day for six days beginning March 30th to, uh, from 12 to 2 p.m. Live stream question and answer with Rick Green and Scarlett Lonnie. And then the Renovair Book Club, uh, they're going through the Dallas Willard book, Life Without Lack. It begins Friday, April 3rd at 6.30 via Zoom conference. I did one of those today. They're a lot of fun. Uh, please go to godspeak.com for more information, registration. You'll be all set. So those are our announcements. And uh, we got church tomorrow. It's going to be at 11. Uh, so tune in. We've had over 1,000 people tuning in to our live church service. But I wanted to show you a video. Uh, I saw this on Instagram, and I got the full clip of it. And uh, it's, it's one of my favorite uh, comedians who has since passed away, Chris Farley. And he expresses how I'm going to feel on Sunday morning, the first time we get to gather as a church. Uh, I, I'm going to feel like Chris Farley. So take a look at this video for my very first day, seeing all of you when we gather as a church, when we're finally given permission to fellowship together uh, in person. Uh, check out the video. I hope you like it. Old it was a lot Chris of fun. Farley. That's how I'm going to feel our very first Sunday back. Uh, hopefully after the three-day fast, I won't look quite as large as Chris Farley. Um, amazing uh, actor and comedian. So folks, uh, I'd gotten some commentary from some of you. And uh, a lot of you were uh, asking that we would, we would put uh, some scripture teaching at the beginning of our time together. Because as we go through the data, it tends to make folks a little bit anxious. And it, the, God's word doesn't return void. So you were wanting to have the scripture up, up front because it would bring comfort. And then what we're going to do is we're going to sandwich it. We're going to put scripture at the front, go through the data, and then scripture at the tail end. <clears throat> so if you have a Bible, open up to, first of all, Psalm 46. Psalm 46. I'm just going to take a look at the first two verses to kind of set our hearts at ease. And this is the passage. If you don't have a Bible, I've got it on the screen right here for you. <clears throat> God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. And as we have been commenting on and on, God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind, 2 Timothy 1, 7. And God is our, our ever-present help in time of, of trouble. And the righteous run to him, and they're saved. And this is a comfort for all of us, because as we're preparing to look at the data, don't let the data overwhelm you. 
We're, we're seeking truth. We're, we're seeking to dispel fear. Fear is only perpetrated by deceit. Uh, Satan is the author of lies. And our, our job is to dispel that and to give knowledge and so that we'd have truth and be able to make wise decisions that we wouldn't be anxious in anything, but by prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving. And as we do that, it'll calm and quiet our heart. And part of that is we're, we're going to be participating as a body of believers um, in a church-wide fast. And, and it's going to be churches all across the state of California. And that's going to happen uh, on April 1st to the 3rd. We're going to do the fast from sundown to sundown. So sundown on the 1st to sundown on the 3rd. It'll be a three-day fast. And now, granted, with a fast, for some of you, you're going to want to do water only. For some of you, you're going to do your necessary food. For some of you, you're going to fast from electronics. It's not so much what you're fasting from as much as it is uh, denying yourself for the sake of pursuing the Lord. Pick up your scriptures during that time. If you are someone who spends an, an inordinate amount of time on your uh, device, your electronic device, put that down and spend time in God's word. Deny yourself. Uh, do these things so that you press into them. Spend some, try, some time going over all the things that we're going to list in the, the prayer bulletin that's going to be accessible online. We're going to have that listed so that we can practice uh, Timothy where it commands us to pray for kings and those in authority. And we're going to have all the lists of our public officials and first responders uh, so we can intercede and pray for them. And that's going to happen from sundown on the 1st to sundown on the 3rd. Now, another scripture to turn to, if you have your Bibles, is Psalm 116. A real quick look at this, Psalm 116. I'm not going to go through the whole psalm, but I am going to just show you a couple highlights. So let's take a look at verse 1 of Psalm 116. I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my supplications, because he has inclined his ear to me. Therefore, I will call upon him as long as I live. And God has commanded that we would call upon the Lord it is a resolve to trust God exclusively and worship him explicitly. God wants us to call on him and our supplications are dear to him. He inclines his ear to us. So this time of fasting and prayer is gonna be precious. This is what God wants from his children. As a father of five, I love when my kids talk to me. I'm certainly not nearly as attentive as God is to us. I have a lot of work to do there. Uh, my kids sometimes uh, say, dad, what's wrong? You have a grumpy look on your face and I'm thinking about something else. But really what they're saying is, dad, I, I, wanna, I wanna get your attention. And the Lord is precious as a father. Uh, when he inclines his ear to us and he is, he is wanting to hear from us. So let those three days be precious to you and the Lord. Spend time with your heavenly father. He longs to be with you and he wants you to be with him and he knows what good it will bring you and how much comfort it will impart to you. Take a look at verses three and four of the psalm. It says, the pains of death have surrounded me and the pangs of Sheol, hell, laid hold of me. I found trouble and sorrow and then I called upon the name of the Lord. Oh Lord, I implore you, deliver my soul. Real trouble produces real prayer and, and it's a wonderful thing that in the times of a crisis, our heart is inclined to God and, and real trouble produces real prayer. And this is what the psalmist is saying, oh Lord, I implore you to deliver my soul. It's one of those things where we really come to an understanding that, that if, if we're not pursuing God and seeking him, something is amiss in our lives. There's a void. 
And it's amazing how a crisis can uh, bring us to that place of dependence upon God, which is where we should always be. So with that, let's go to the next verse. I told you it'd be a quick study. Uh, Verses five and six. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Yes, our God is merciful. The Lord preserves the simple. I was brought low and he saved me. Return to your rest. And I highlighted that word rest. Return to your rest, O my soul, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. And the word rest in the, in the Hebrew is put in the plural as indicating complete and entire rest at all times and under all circumstances. Even COVID-19, the Chinese virus, the Wuhan flu, whatever you want to call it, the reality is even in the midst of this, God is sovereign and faithful under all circumstances. So that's a simple opening to calm and quiet your soul. And now we'll go into some of the data. But remember, in the midst of the data that we're going to be showing you, um, under all circumstances, God is here to comfort. So this, this stuff doesn't catch the Lord by surprise. And we're going to go through the data and we're going to process it. And we're going to find truth in it. We have an interesting uh, thing that you put together with this pyramid. I'm really excited for the <laughs> yeah, folks to hear. All right. Yeah, yeah. Here we go. And it's going to be more medical heavy tonight. Uh, David has some insights um, on, on the economy just to point out a couple of things with the airline industry. But the lion's share tonight is going to be with Robin. And we've gotten a number of inquiries in regards to vitamin C, vitamin D, uh, yeah. a bunch of stuff. Lots of good stuff. Yeah. And, and there, part of me, I just said, stay away from it. I, I, I don't take vitamins. My wife and my mother-in-law, uh, they, it, is, it is the medical miracle cure. And I, uh, I'm not going there. I just, I love my marriage for 30 years and I'm just going to leave that alone and um, we'll, we'll process through it. You do your best to navigate that. Good luck, <laughs> Dr. Robin. <laughs> so here's some updates for the stats in Ventura County. We've had a jump. Current status of the novel coronavirus, COVID-19, Ventura County. We have 98 cases reported in the county, 98 cases. There's been three deaths reported and hospitalized. There's still 15 hospitalized. The three deaths were all comorbidity. They were all over 70 years of age. And of the cases and the hospitalization and the deaths, of the 98 cases, there's been over 1,500 people tested uh, in the county. And there's only 98 cases reported of the over 1,500 tests that have been performed in the county. Putting that into perspective, uh, population, you already know that for both the county and the city, 98 out of 854,000 and 15 in the city of Thousand Oaks out of 128,000 deaths in Ventura County, three out of 854. And then to show you some worldwide numbers And these are fascinating, and I'm going to have Dr. Robin touch on these because you see the U.S. has has jumped to number one with 123,000 cases uh, reported and a jump today of 19,225. And then total deaths has increased to 2,211. And today alone, there's been 515 additional deaths Um, And then you see the total recovered, the active cases, um, and then going over to the right uh, to cases 1 million in population for total cases, it's uh, 373 per 1 million population for just the cases, but deaths per 1 million in the United States, it's 7 per 1 million of our population, 
Remember 300 and almost 30,000 population in the U.S., seven per one million. And then, Dr. Robin, you made an interesting observation. Look at Italy and you look at Spain. You want to comment on that? I I mean, it's important to remember the denominator here. So, you know, a country of 330 million or billions of people compared to Italy, that is, I believe, 50 million in that that range. And likewise with Spain, um, we're doing very well. Yeah. And, you know, I think the federal government is doing an amazing job at really making this happen. And I think that's evidenced by these numbers. So you have to remember that it's not just the total number of cases or, or in fact, the total number of deaths. It's what's the percentage of the population. Right. And that's really ultimately. And, and, and that number for the United States of America is astounding. It's very low. It, very low. Uh, very low, all yeah. things considered. Did you yeah. want to add but, Well, I was just going to say not only the, the, the denominator, but what's the population makeup, what's the demographics? Like Italy has a a higher age, more vulnerable. So you have to look at the numbers behind the numbers on how it made up those things too. Uh, Speaking of that, just looking locally, here are the breakdown. Uh, We, the the lion's share is age 45 to 65 and older. That's where the lion's share of the cases in the county reside. Uh, Oxnard has 12 Camarillo has 15, and then, of course, we in Thousand Oaks have 15. Uh, Oxnard has the largest, I believe, population, and then Thousand Oaks is a higher population. Simi is closer to L.A. County. They're having uh, a larger reaction to this. So um, now, folks, a word of encouragement A lot of folks have been asking, where do I get tested? And we have been given some really good information. I I do have the locations for both Thousand Oaks and Simi Valley. If you're in Ventura or if you're in Oxnard or if you're in Fillmore, would you shoot us uh, an email and and we'll get you that information tomorrow night as to where to be tested. But here are the locations for Thousand Oaks and Simi Valley. And I'm going to pause on these slides so you'll have a chance to write the information down. It's a drive-through test. You need to call ahead uh, to the number so they can diagnose you over the phone. Uh, but but you can do that while you're still in line waiting for the test. You can you can call in at that moment. So here is for Thousand Oaks. It's um, located on the frontage road of the freeway. It's a drive-up testing location, Thousand Oaks, Ventura County Healthcare Agency, 125 West Thousand Oaks Boulevard. 125 West Thousand Oaks Boulevard. Call first, 805-418-9105. It's open from 9 to 5, and you can get tested there. And if you have a concern, uh, especially if you have elderly and you want to make sure that these symptoms that you're experiencing, or even if you're not showing symptoms, but you don't, you're going to have interaction with folks in your family. You, you, you definitely want to go in and get tested. It's a good thing. And then we'll take a look here for Simi Valley. And, and by the way, uh, for all this information, you're welcome to uh, email us and we'll give you the information if you didn't get it tonight, but it's uh, right here. So drive up testing in Simi Valley is at Sierra Vista. 1227 East Los Angeles Avenue in Simi Valley. And you need to call first. They're open from 8 to 5, Monday through Friday. So they won't be open tomorrow, but they'll be open Monday from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. And that number is 805-582-4000. So I hope that's helpful. 
And, uh, and, and to be encouraging to you, go get tested. We're going to cover that. There was some interesting information in the LA Times. Also, Bloomberg reported some stuff that we're going to show as well. But let's again put it into perspective so we can calm and quiet our soul. Here we go. You have population in the U.S., 327 million, uh, 123,351 cases out of 327 million. 200 and, or 2,211 deaths out of 327 million. That's seven deaths per one million. Uh, a, a very healthy number for a, a nation responding to this properly. And then here is uh, some information for you. This is out of articles today. Confirmed COVID-19 cases in the U.S. has surpassed 100,000. Uh, as of Friday, today is Saturday, and obviously we've added those numbers, but this is an old article, uh, it was yesterday's, doubling in just three days as the pandemic accelerates, the U.S. rolls out broader testing measures. This is very good, and we're going to cover it in a moment. With, the, with 44,635 confirmed cases as of Friday morning, New York State accounts for almost half of all cases in the U.S., and they had Chinese New Year, and they celebrated all that. And folks were exposed to this, and now they're, they're struggling as a, as a city. And here is last week confirmed cases by city. You can see New York just last week alone, uh, they're in the blue, is a lion's share. And then uh, it, it goes to Seattle next, although Seattle's had a higher death rate than New York has had uh, because that uh, one facility, an assisted living facility, had a number of deaths. Uh, they were exposed, and that was troublesome. And then restrictions, as you can see in this slide, uh, during the coronavirus outbreak, those in yellow have stay-at-home, non-essential businesses closed, which is what California is undergoing. Connecticut, strangely enough, has had a, a huge increase, and yet there's still non-essential businesses closed, but they don't have a stay-at-home order. In California, all of our schools are closed, um, and so most of the states that are being heavily hit are following in line with that as well. Here's some quotes from the LA Times today. Uh, the number of confirmed coronavirus cases in California jumped from 1,468 on Sunday to 4,598 on Friday, while deaths climbed from 27 to 93. And that was in, a, in today's article. And then also in the same article, it said, best case scenario puts California toll at two deaths a day. Worst case projection envisions as many as 370 deaths uh, daily at the peak in late April. And, and they're struggling over this. This is, this is information that we're, we're still trying to process. These scenarios by different scientists, how to project this is difficult. Well, absolutely. And it's even more difficult to, um, to determine that without point-of-care testing. Right. To be able to test asymptomatic people right now. All of the CDC criteria is basically people who the chance of them actually testing positive is very high. Uh, and I don't know the specific numbers, but I would assume almost 100% or a very high number of people who actually get the test are indeed positive. It's just confirming what we already assume to be true. So um, we're making a lot of assumptions, and that's why you see those big vari the huge variance there in numbers. Um, is it, you know, th two deaths a day or is it 370? Yeah. That's a huge, that's, a, that's an incredible, it's a huge what we call variance. And, and because of that, we, we'll, we just really have different assumptions. And so that's going to, that, that variance is going to shrink as time goes on. And I think critical to note is we would tend to take the information that fits more of our p political ideology and, and punch those numbers in to try to instill whatever direction we want. 
Uh, and we have to be careful with that, folks. This is, this is fluid. Yeah. And we have to be real careful with that. So uh, let's, let's take a look. Uh, we have a question here. Um, let, let's, we'll get to that question later, but let's go to this one. Uh, is using hand sanitizer just as effective as washing with soap? Oh, well, um, okay, okay. I, you know what? I'll, I, tomorrow I'll bring some slides. But soap is actually, uh, it's an incredible discovery. So let's not downplay soap. Because soap is, a, is, you know, I can get into the chemistry of it, but basically, remember when we talked about what is a virus and how, you know, a virus is really actually this, uh, this non-living thing that has a protein capsule with little tiny protein spikes, and it, it has lipids or fats that surround a whole bunch of genetic material. Well, the cool thing is lipids and fats can be dissolved in soap. And so soap actually kills viruses. Yeah. Which is incredible, not dissimilar to how, how hand sanitizer kills viruses, um, but don't underplay the power of soap. Soap is, is an incredible thing, and a good hand washing and using just regular old soap is very effective. Uh, a good hand washing technique is do your ABCs, sing the song, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J. And when you get to Z, then rinse them. And by that time, uh, the hot water has probably gotten hot, so it would be good, right? <laughs> uh, um, we'll come to the other questions later. I want to come to uh, another article from the LA Times, uh, which brings us back to struggling with the data and the fluidness of the data. Mm. Uh, uh, LA Times said, the study acknowledges a number of possible outcomes. In all, it suggests California could see 6,109 deaths, but there's a wide variation, as few as 898 deaths and as many as 13,650 deaths. New York would see 10,243 deaths with as few as 5,167 deaths and as many as 26,444 deaths. And the death toll for the U.S., for instance, could range from 38,000 to 162,000, which is far less than the 500,000 I'd heard early on. Everyone seems to be revising their numbers. But still, yeah. we've got such a variation yeah. of, of projection. What, I, I mean, to be honest, I, I, the, if I was you know, working in the federal government, what a task. Because you have to, you have to plan for the worst and hope for the best. Right. So the, the variance in those numbers, as that comes down, everyone's job gets easier. Every healthcare worker's job gets easier. Everyone I speak to on the ground, you know, is waiting for this. And because we don't know, right? And, and that's where the fear comes in. And as we know more information, that's gonna, that, that number is going to be, the, the variance you'll see will be less and less and less and less. I, I've heard um, watching news sources, a variety of news sources, that the hospitals in New York are overwhelmed and it's like a, a war zone. And then others reporting that that's not the case. Mm. It, it's so hard for the folks out there to mm -hmm. sift through all this information. Mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and whatever political agenda, uh, whatever anyone's personal agenda, not to, to focus on what is true, what is real, what is honest, what is pure. Yeah. I, and I was moved by this because we're going to have a number of questions regarding vitamin D, vitamin A, zinc, uh, all those things. Yeah. And, you know... Facing these questions inundated with emails and pertaining to this, folks wanting to confirm uh, their approach to how they're handling it and different modes to build up the body's immunity. I, I loved when you explained this triangle to me about how the medical world approaches data. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah. Can, can we cover this for everyone? Please. Yeah, Fo absolutely. Folks, take a look at this as Dr. Robin explains it, and I, it'll help you. Uh, so go ahead, so, Dr. Robin. Uh, I, so the, the important thing to know is that science is a tool. So there's lots of ways to know the truth, and science is just one of those ways. And within science, we look at truth in, through a particular lens. Yeah. So when someone talks about a study, intuitively, scientists and practitioners, healthcare workers, we, we understand how much importance to place on a particular study based on basically this pyramid. And this, this is what we call levels of evidence. And what it is, is it's a way to describe how close are we to the truth. We never assume that we know something with absolute certainty. There's always a chance that we're wrong. Right. And we call that the null hypothesis. But basically, what this shows is that in vitro research is Explain like... Explain in vitro so folks know what that means. <laughs> sure. You've got two ways you can test. You can test it in vitro, which is in a test tube. Think in a lab. Okay. In vivo is in a living organism. The next step up on the ladder would be, well, in a living organism. That would be in vivo. In vivo. And we typically do this through animal models. And these are considered the lowest of... The lowest, the lowest form of evidence. Got and it. this lowest form of evidence doesn't mean it's not evidence. So it doesn't mean that it's wrong. But it also means that it gets trumped. It mm -hmm. gets trumped by the next level up. And the Got next it. level up in this case would be expert opinion. So experts are great. Right, because they can summarize information, they, they've seen a lot, they know a lot, but they're not the end of it. What and, I And let me interrupt. Yeah, please. Expert opinion is, is where the world of the internet operates. Uh, well, even it this, yeah. this is, what we're talking about is expert science opinion. Yeah. So this is, I would say, I would say the, this is scientific evidence. So the non-scientific evidence actually, I would say, is below, <laughs> uh, the, the, it's actually on below it. Now, that doesn't mean it's not valid. It, they could be right, but it's but it's trumped. Got it's it. trumped, and the closer and the higher up of this pyramid we get, the the more certain we are of 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 these assumptions. So then we go into things like case reports, and case reports. You know the way the way it works within the scientific world is that you write a paper, and you write that paper and you submit it to a journal, and that journal is a collection of like-minded, trained experts in that particular field. It's peer-reviewed, so meaning that it gets sent around to other people in your field, and they read the paper and try and determine if your methodology is sound. Mm -hmm. They want to know, they're vetting it, so that, mm -hmm. so that when it gets put into the journal, there's some weight to it, and we can assume that the, the results of that the conclusions drawn from it are true. Okay. Okay. Does that make sense? It does. Now let's go. Let's, let's go keep to going. case control. So case, you know, you go into oh, a, no, a case. Sorry, case you have, series. You have a, you have a right. So you have a case report. So if you put a whole bunch of case reports together, you get a case series. Um, and of course, that's more. If you have a whole bunch, that's more valuable than one. Then you get into things like case controls and cohorts. So then you're starting to you're starting to change the way you look. So imagine if you now set up an experiment where you follow people. Mm -hmm. So say you think vitamin D is going to make a difference in uh, in you know China virus infection, you follow people who are taking vitamin D, you follow people who are not taking vitamin D. Well, what if you get one step better? 
what if you randomly assign vitamin D to one group and a sugar pill to someone else? A placebo, right. A placebo, what if you do that? Well, now we're talking a randomized control trial. And then you start blinding people so there's no bias. You're reducing bias as you go along. The, the highest, the top of the pyramid is when you do a systematic review or what we call a meta-analysis. And a meta-analysis is when we take all of this data, the highest level, highest form of data that we can get, and we distill it and we combine it together using agreed upon terms to, to combine the results of a number of studies. Yeah. So vitamin D is a great example. So there is a, a vitamin D uh, meta-analysis that was published in 2016 about does vitamin D help mm -hmm. acute respiratory illness? Turns out it does. Turns out there's evidence to support that. So when you hear, does vitamin D make a difference? Yeah, it does. And I can say that, I can say that as a, as a practitioner, and I can refer back to the highest level of evidence to say, yes, this does make a difference. We had a question in regards to vitamin C, uh, if it was helpful in fighting this uh, people who have it as, as, as far as a cure. Right. And uh, without going into the efficacy of vitamin C in the sure. immune system, that was the simple question. Does it help, I believe, with... Um, uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Why don't you cover that? Sure. Uh, I, so um, Linus Pauling, who discovered vitamin C, is a super cool guy. My, my, my mother-in-law worships at his altar. Is that right? Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, well, Linus Pauling, he, I mean, he's a scientist. He is. He's a scientist. Was, so, yeah. Well, was, was, was a scientist. Was a great scientist. And a lot of that, you know, coming out now uh, has to do with um, acute respiratory distress syndrome. So this is, when you get a viral pneumonia, eventually you have trouble breathing. This is why people die of, of COVID-19. So... It's a lot of the evidence of, of IV vitamin C goes back to the ICU literature. And I've used it in the ICU on ARDS patients. Absolutely. Did it make a difference? It looked like it. It looked like it. Is the evidence great to support that? No. It's on the lower levels. But we need to do more work to be able to know if that's, if that's true or not true. But What about the study in China with uh, COVID-19 patients? What, great question. Yeah. So yes, there is an, there's an ongoing trial specifically with COVID-19 patients, but these are sick patients. So these are patients who have what they call ARDS or who are kind of in the last stages. They're intubated, they're very sick, and they give them some IV vitamin C. Okay. Would you, back to your, your pyramid, would you not say, and that's what we've been trying to do for the last week or so, is the more accurate, informed information that mm -hmm. we can get, mm -hmm. the more it alleviates fear. So we'd like to climb up that uh, oh. pyramid as fast as oh. we can, because that's the only thing that's going to set us free from yeah. this, this information, but it has to be accurate. Because yeah. I'm seeing a lot of doctor's reports and everybody has yeah. their opinion of the doctor's report. Yeah. And that's frustrating too, because I, we haven't gone up high enough on that pyramid to yeah. get the I, I results. Think to, to be honest, the number one approach, the, the best way to approach this is with humility. Mm. Wisdom, you know, wisdom starts with the fear of the Lord actually coming towards knowledge and truth, the only way you can ever know anything is if you first say, I don't know. If you come at it saying that you have all the answers or that you know, and now I'm just gonna go about trying to accumulate evidence 
in my mind to prove my point. Works in the political world in relation to that. There was a question, and I don't know if you can comment on this because you do spend probably more time in CME than you do at Los Robles, but mm -hmm. you would probably have, and, and you, you too, Dave, because mm -hmm. I know you're connected with some of the mm -hmm. doctors there. Is it true that Los Robles Hospital is in dire need of surgical masks of any kind? Mm -hmm. I haven't heard that as a city official. Have either of you heard that? I, I have not heard that. I, I, I think it depends on what type of masks you're referring to. Mm -hmm. um, I know that all hospitals, um, we're, we are all reusing our N95 masks. So, um, yeah, there's, there's some truth for that. Okay. Um, yeah, we need N95s. We typically would use it once and throw it away, and no one is doing that. <laughs> this is an interesting question. Can you compare our city to New York? Time frame of increase in numbers, highly, uh, high density of living condition, anything you can offer? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think there's some validity to that. I think there's some truth to the fact that New York is a different place than here. Yep. Um, what about vitamin D levels? Well, <laughs> you know, we, I, I grew up outside of Toronto. I didn't, get, I didn't get this much vitamin D, I can tell you that. Yeah. Um, New York is the same. Yeah. Um, uh, crowded conditions, yeah, absolutely, 100%. Mm. The dem uh, demographics of the age. Demogra and the uh, absolutely, absolutely. And we don't have the data, we don't have the numbers to quantify that, but I, I think that makes sense. Sure. Yeah. Here's an interesting uh, uh, area that, that we've seen of misinformation. So in, in this slide here, uh, ages, uh, can we, there we go. So, so the percentage of, of deaths for this age group, uh, zero to 29, uh, you can see it's all less than a percent. And, and zero to nine is almost minuscule. Uh, 10 to 19 is almost minuscule. Actually, this isn't deaths. This is this is uh, having contracted the virus. Yeah, just, yeah. Excuse me, it's not deaths. Cases. And then, then we saw, th that was cases, and then we saw this come out in the news uh, about a 21-year-old woman believed to be the youngest person with no pre-existing condition to have died after contracting the coronavirus in the UK. And this hit the news like wildfire. And then look what happened. According to a report published in The Guardian, the hospital which treated her did not record her as a victim of coronavirus. The Guardian has since taken down its original article. Folks, we have got to be very, very diligent in processing information. The, the same pyramid that, that Dr. Robin pointed out is, in a sense, the same way we're to approach these things. If you can't prove it to be true, don't, don't carry it forward because it fits your agenda or, or your hypothesis. Mm -hmm. Be real cautious. We have to operate in the context of truth. Uh, here, here's what's interesting is we have no deaths reported of 14 and under. Yet in California, and, and there's a reason why we're doing this. We're closing the schools for the sake of the elderly. Uh, we don't know of any contracted cases 14 years of age and under. But look at this. We have... Um, uh, 6,309,138 public school enrollment. All of those kids are out. In private school, we have 643,000 in the state of California. They're all out. Total number of schools in California closed 13,626. And it's for the sake of the elderly in that case. Um, but here's, here's uh, now there's, there's heavy news, but I want to go into some positive news. And you can touch on this, Dr. Robin. Uh, this was from Bloomberg. Uh, Abbott announced on Friday that it has developed a five-minute test for coronavirus and will begin shipping 50,000 of the tests a day to hospitals, doctors' offices, and emergency clinics next week. 
in one week period between the start of Saturday, March 21st, and the end of Friday, March 27th, more than 400,000 coronavirus tests have been completed in the United States, bringing the number of tests completed to more than 600,000 since the beginning of the coronavirus pandemic. But here we're going to have 50,000 a day being produced. Look at this. The medical device maker plans to supply 50,000 tests a day starting April 1st, said John Friels, vice president of research and development at Abbott Diagnostics, Bloomberg News reported. And at that rate, Abbott could provide an additional 350,000 of these five-minute tests to medical professionals around the country in the one-week period between April 1st and April 8th, just before Easter, a chance to really get uh, yeah. a grasp of the data. Yeah. Tell me, from your vantage point, how this is helpful. But how this is helpful? I mean, this is a game-changer. Uh, I mean, bless and, the free market. Yeah, I mean, innovation. I, I, like, wow. Unbelievable. And I knew, I, like, I was just, I'm just, I was waiting, like, you know, tooth and nail, just waiting for this, this news to come out because I know in behind the scenes, and in the discussions I've had with other medical professionals, this is coming. We know this. And to now to see this news is like, yeah. Yeah. Here we it, go. It Here we go. Us get up that Here we go. Faster. Oh, yeah. and this is just the beginning. Yeah. I mean, you're, this this news that's just the tip of the iceberg. You wait until the innovation comes. You're going to see things that you didn't even dream in science fiction come out. This is and and why? Because we're going to translate that fear through the free market and knowledge and, and wisdom. knowledge and wisdom and apply it properly. And it'll be our finest hour. A uh, hundred million percent is it going to be. It's, it's going to be awesome. And, uh, and where do we and get wisdom? Fear the Lord is beginning wisdom. Continue yeah. to pray. Ask yeah. God for wisdom. If any man lacks it, all he needs to do is ask of God. God will give freely to him who asks. The way you get it is you ask for it. Mm. And uh, seek truth. Study to show yourself approved. So that's, that's on a positive note. Yeah. We're still struggling with the economy. We're, we're going to cover oh, yeah. more of that uh, probably tomorrow night. Uh, but we're limited on time. I was I was intrigued, David, when you shared this uh, this illustration. Look at this, folks. TSA uh, checkpoint usage shows airline traffic is plummeting. Since early March, the number of passengers going through TSA checkpoints nationwide has dropped more than 86% compared to a year ago. You want to touch on that? And you're also talking about pilots retiring, a bunch of other things. You know, I, we talked about it yesterday. This is history. Life is still going on. Uh, for American Airlines, and I'm sure this is the same with Delta and United, we had 616 pilots retire early, 62 and above. We're required to retire at age 65. And if you've ever been on a flight when somebody's retired, they're shooting off the uh, water cannons. Right. It's a big event. Oh. So yesterday, 616 of our pilots stepped down, and they won't get that that last event, which is a big deal for them. Yeah. It's the same thing at graduations and mm. stuff like that. Mm. So life is My going My son's on. graduation diploma will be handed to him by the post, post office yeah. or the postman. <laughs> yeah. And so to, to remember that, that life is still going on, um, and there's some things out there that people are going to miss. Uh, Pastor Brett's going to be a grandfather in probably the next half an hour, and that's a big event. Wow. And people, you know, life still is going on yeah. for other people. Yeah. So... Well, folks, I, I wanted to uh, close tonight with the reminder out of Psalm 46. And take a look at this. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Let that comfort you. Today, I, I was on a, a Zoom uh, call, my very first Zoom. I figured out how to use it. It was exciting. And I, I wasn't just on it. I was part of the panel. 
and business leaders in L.A. County, all struggling to try to make ends, uh, uh, trying to figure all this out. And they asked me to be on. Why would they ask a, a minister to be on with three prestigious business executives, owners, entrepreneurs that are very effective in the business community? Yet they asked me to come on because for every sector of our nation, folks need hope. They need encouragement. And the Lord of God is with us and the God of Jacob is our refuge. Psalm 91 was quoted today with all these businessmen, these business leaders, and they, they wanted encouragement. And that's what we need to be about. That's our father's business. We are, we are the, the bearers of hope and we need to serve. I, I keep giving you this exhortation, this admonition to, to step out of your comfort zone and serve folks. And you've been doing it. I've been so blessed and moved by the stories, countless stories. Um, there, there, was, there was one story of, uh, I heard from a business owner, a, a person purchased a $500 gift certificate, tore it up and put it in an envelope and gave it back to the business owner uh, just to tell them thank you and to encourage them to stay in business. Do things like that. Uh, be a blessing to the community. In, in closing tonight, don't forget the three days uh, fast and prayer, April 1st to the 3rd, sundown to sundown. And we're going to close tonight with the ironic blessing. And uh, it's out of numbers. So here it is, folks. Let's read it together. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Peace, that's a good one. That's going to come from the Prince of Peace directly to your heart. He'll calm and quiet you. And you just call upon him. And he'll bless you. Press into him. Trust him. And God will take care of us. He's a strong tower. The righteous run to him. They're saved. Let's be servants in this time of crisis. This is our finest hour. And soon we'll be together. And we'll be doing flips like Chris Farley. And I'm looking forward to that time. Folks, thank you for your generosity to the fellowship. You've continued to bless the fellowship. We've been able to minister in the community. You're all wonderful. I miss you terribly. We'll see each other soon. God bless you. I'm praying for you. And thank you for your prayers for all of us. So may God bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Good night.